let's take you then straight into our health feature. And today we're focusing on uh, stem cells and stem cell transplants. Dr. Theo Gerdiner is medical director at DKMS Africa. Good morning and thank you so much for your time this morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Let's talk about stem cells and in particular stem cell transplants. What are they? So thank you for the question. So stem cell transplants is what always used to be called um, bone marrow transplantation. So so if I can quickly begin with stem cells. Stem cells are the originator cells for all of the blood cells in our body. So every day we make red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. And these all come from stem cells, which are housed in the bone marrow. So, so these cells produce billions of cells every day, and they live for our whole life. Now, sometimes patients get blood cancers, and they require stem cell transplant, because during the course of their therapy to eradicate their cancer, we give them so much therapy that we damage their own stem cells, and they can no longer produce life-sustaining blood. So they need stem cells from a donor to to reconstitute their bone marrow and then presumably their disease will be cured and, and they will be fine. So a stem cell transplantation is um, the procedure works when it needs to be genetically matched to the donor who provides the stem cells. And so for people who don't have first degree relatives who are matched to them, the registries are there, and they list hundreds of thousands of potential donors who can who can be genetically tested and matched to patients requiring stem cells. Mm. And only once a donor is found, will that donor be asked to donate stem cells. Now, we call it a stem cell transplant, but it is absolutely no surgery involved. It is quite similar to donating blood, although not the same process. You know, I was thinking about that as, as as you're explaining it, because I think part of what makes people afraid of it is because it's called, you know, stem cell transplants. Um, what do you think that that contributes to the kind of um, misconceptions that are created around it? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a very good point. There, there are several numerous dis- misconceptions, one of them being that, that stem cell transplantation or donation is an invasive process, and nothing could be further from the truth. So firstly, we usually require that people register on one of the registries, and this is as simple as contacting um, the, the registry on their website at www.dkms.com africaorg there's a button on the landing page which says register to become a donor. And what they'll do then is they will send you a, a box, a kit containing cheek swabs. And one simply swabs the inside of one's cheek and they will come and collect it again. And that is all that's required. Most people that register as donors will then never be required to actually donate stem cells. But if one gets called up to donate stem cells, after the screening process by a medical team, um, one is basically referred to one of the donor centers, and these are not the same as blood donation centers. Um, one is referred to one of the donor centers in the big cities, and there one will, um, there one will donate blood 
onto a machine, an instrument that separates the stem cells from the rest of the blood. The procedure typically takes between three to four hours, and one is able to go home afterwards. So it's nothing like organ donation where one loses a part of one's body, um, like if one donates a liver, kidney, or lung. This is absolutely um, uh, it's replaceable, and it has a very minimal risk to the donor, and it's not a in, in massively invasive procedure. Mm. So that's only one of the misconceptions here. When it comes to the issue of being able to match patients up with uh, potential donors, how long would you say that it, it takes on average um, to be yes. able to make those, those matches um, given how, how specific they have to be? Yes. So for stem cell donation or bone marrow donation, the um, the match has to be of a very high quality. And because this testing is quite expensive, in the past we only used to test donors to a low resolution. And then once it looked as though they may be a match, we went and tested them further. Luckily, the technology has changed quite a bit. And in the last couple of years, we've been able to type all of our donors in a high resolution, which means that they are ready to donate and we can immediately see whether they will be genetically matched to our patient just by going to look in the registries. Um, so whereas previously a search for a donor, especially an international donor, could take a very long time, up to six or eight months, now we can, at the press of a button, see whether there are donors available for our patients and we can start that process in contacting a donor. So the timelines have drastically shortened and that's a very good thing for our patients because um, blood cancers do not afford one a lot of time to sit around and look for many options. Mm. I want to look at the different types of um, stem cell or bone marrow transplants that, that actually take place or that can be carried out. Yes. So so there are obviously different types. Um, a donor has the preference of whether they want to donate stem cells from the blood, like I explained, the blood donation, and the vast majority of stem cells are procured in this, this way these days. But some donors, for whatever reason, prefer to still donate bone marrow. And this is usually a procedure that's done under general anesthetic in theatre because it's more invasive. But that is absolutely the donor's choice. Then there are different types sources of stem cells. So we can either use a patient's own stem cells, and that's called an autologous transplant. This is for a specific set of diseases where we can safely use this. Um, so then we don't require the registry, we don't require donors because the patient is his or her own donor. But then we have also what we call an allogeneic transplantation, and this is where we require a donor who is not the same person as the patient but is genetically matched. And this is for probably the majority of blood cancers. This is the only curative option that exists for those patients. So we have, broadly speaking, the two types of stem cells. 
or stem cell donation. There's autologous, which means I'm donating for myself. And then there's allergenic, which we're talking about today is where the registries come in. Mm. When it comes to matching potential patients with their donors, why is it important for this match uh, to be as close as possible, like you were saying earlier? Yes, that's a good question. So there are several complications that can occur. If the, the donor cells are too foreign to the patient, then the first immediate risk that we have is that of rejection. So we give the patient the therapy they require for their cancer, but then when we infuse these new stem cells, they just reject them and they sit without stem cells, which is obviously a life-threatening complication. Um, The second thing that can happen is if we transplant a, a patient with a donor who's genetically very different from them, and they somehow accept these stem cells, they do not reject them, those stem cells form new blood cells which can start attacking our patient's body and also cause a serious illness called graft-versus-host disease, which also can be life-threatening. So, so we try and match them genetically as far and closely as possible as we can. And, and and when it comes to the actual testing, so when you register to be a donor, are you immediately tested um, and then your details kind of put up to, to, to that in your profile to say that this is the, the range that you are in? Um, so that when there is a, a search for, for, for by, by patients, they're able to quickly pick up, uh, well, actually, maybe Kathy might be better suited than somebody else. Yes, absolutely. So, so they can. So the testing. So once one registers on the website, DKMS Africa will contact you, and they will arrange when it is convenient and where it is convenient to deliver this testing kit with full instructions to you. There's no blood tests involved at that stage. It's merely this cheek swab, and once one is finished with the cheek swab. One just phones in and says, you can come and collect it here or there. And that is as simple as it is. Then you are in the registry. And because we choose, we, we test at a very high resolution at the moment. If we have a patient, we can immediately see in the registries whether a certain donor will be a full match or not. In the past, we had this thing where they looked partially matched or potentially matched. Now we no longer have that. We can immediately see that Kathy is a 100% 10 out of 10 match for this specific patient. Mm. Let's talk about some of the innovations that you have seen in, in the sector. I beg your pardon? So I was, saying, I was saying, let's talk about some of the innovations that you have seen in the sector in the absence then of sometimes having uh, enough donors to meet up perhaps the, the need that is coming up from patients. Yes. So stem cell transplantation has um, exploded as a treatment not only for blood cancers but for some other diseases too. Mm. And for this reason... Um, the technology or the innovations haven't followed as quickly because today we are transplanting patients that we would not have transplanted in the past. So the need for suitable and matched donors is even more urgent than it was before. And we're sitting with a very unique situation in South Africa that we have a 
massive and extremely genetically diverse local population of which none of them are in the registries. So the largest registries worldwide are in Germany and in the United States. So for me as a person of European ancestry, it is extremely easy to find a donor. With someone with African ancestry, it will be almost impossible. So that's why we're appealing to everyone in South Africa to go and register. We don't want people from overseas. We need local, local people to go and register because they are the only ones that can help other South Africans. Do you find that the the, the things that perhaps stop people from uh, registering to be donors for a stem cell transplants would be similar to those who don't want to donate blood? I think it is similar to a certain extent, but I think also the awareness mm. is not there because um, blood cancers, while being the fifth most common type of cancer in the world, um, Many people don't know about blood cancers because there's, there isn't a lot of awareness. There's nothing one can do to prevent them. They can happen from a baby under the age of one years old to elderly people, so that nobody is spared. But usually only when we see these patients with their leukemias or other blood cancers, the family then comes and says, I didn't know this happened or I didn't, wasn't, weren't even aware of these things, and then suddenly they want to go and test and register, which is all good and well, but we need more people to go and register beforehand. Um, so I think the one problem is that the people are not aware. They think blood cancers will not affect them. Nothing can be further from the truth. And then there are also locally some cultural differences in that some groups tend to think it, Blood cancers are predominantly diseases of white people or this or that. And once again, that's a total fallacy. It affects everyone equally. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Theo Gerdner. He's a medical director at DKMS Africa. And we're talking about stem cell transplants, the importance of that, and also the need for people to come up and, and to register, especially as potential donors. Zoleka Kodashe standing by with your latest headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue with our health feature this morning. We're focusing on stem cell transplants. I'll be taking your calls for Dr. Gerdiner on 011-714-2006. If you have specific questions about this procedure that you would like to ask, perhaps you've also been somebody who is a patient, has been a beneficiary of stem cell transplants. We would love to hear about your experience as well. On the WhatsApp line, 614 um, Dr. Goodner, one of the things we haven't spoken about is the cost that is associated with stem cell transplants. Kathy Mosasana on SAFM. All right, apologies for that. We lost Dr. Theo Goodner. He's back on the line. Dr. Goodner, good morning again. Good morning. Oh, Sorry great. about that. No, no, not a problem at all. So one of the things I was saying is that we haven't spoken about the cost of these procedures. And I wonder uh, how much of that is also a barrier because you also raise the issue of increasing access to primary health care where stem cell uh, transplants are concerned. Yes, that's 
a good point you bring up, Kathy. So the cost of a stem cell transplant is significant, but I can tell you that the stem cell transplants are covered by medical schemes in the private practice and performed for all patients that require them in the public service, so the state sector as well. And the reason for this is that there is such excellent data to support them as a therapy for blood cancers. However, donors need not fear because there are no costs involved to a donor ever for a stem cell transplant. The only thing we ask of them is those couple of hours of time that we use, uh, that we ask them to donate the stem cells. But all of the medical checks, the testing, the blood tests, anything that is involved in any care of the of the donor is managed by the registry and also by the patients themselves. So there is absolutely no cost involved to either register or donate stem cells. Are you able to give us an indication, uh, just in terms of averages, on average, how much one would pay if they needed a stem cell transplant? Um, That's a bit difficult to say because it differs Mm. um, in terms of the type of stem cell transplant, but stem cell transplants typically can cost in South Africa, which is which is cheaper than elsewhere, can cost anything between half a million rand and two million rand. That, that, that is a lot of money. Um, h- how much would you say, how much of that would you say is a barrier to people actually accessing this kind of treatment? No, none of this should be a barrier because mm. it's funded by medical schemes and also by the state service. Because... So the state, the government, will pay for those stem cell transplants because everybody understands that this is often the last option a patient has. Mm, mm. And also it is a potentially curative option. So mm. this is the only way to cure their disease. So so that should not be a barrier um, to anyone obtaining a stem cell transplant because across all healthcare platforms in South Africa, this is generally available. All right. Uh, I want to just quickly play you this WhatsApp voice note question that's come through for you. Good morning, Kathy. Um, I have a question. I'm registered as an organ donor. I'm also registered as a bone marrow donor. Does that automatically register you as a stem cell donor or does one still have to register to be a stem cell donor? And then also another question is, does one, does a person that has hypertension, are they able to register as a donor or would they be precluded? Thank you. Leo from KZN. Leo, thanks for that voice note. Uh, Theo? Yes, thank you. So firstly, um, I want to distinguish between, between organ donation and stem cell donation. They are two very different things. Um, but stem cell, if, if he's registered as a bone marrow donor, that is exactly the same thing as a stem cell donor. So there are two registries in South Africa, the South African Bone Marrow Registry and then DKMS Africa, and they both register bone marrow donors, but these are actually nowadays referred to stem cell donors. So he doesn't have to register for anything else. Thank you very much for your um, for offering to do this. Um, then to the second question in terms of someone with high blood pressure, whether they can donate, 
because the donation is similar to blood donation, but distinct, um, there are virtually no risks to the donor. And there are very few diseases that will prevent or exclude a donor from donating. But our primary concern remains that there should be no harm ever done to the donor. And that's why if a person is called up to donate, a person is already registered, they get a full medical exam from a medical team. We do blood tests to test for infectious diseases like malaria, hepatitis, HIV, those things, and we take a full history. And if the doctor seeing the donor ever decides that there's even a slight risk for donation, they will ask that donor to step back or they will say, it is not in your best interests to donate stem cells. But having said that, it hardly ever happens because stem cell donation is such a risk-free procedure. Most people, even those with chronic diseases, can still donate. Oh, that, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And Leo, thanks for bringing that up. I'd actually forgot to, to ask about it because often, uh, you know, sometimes, especially where people are suffering from chronic illnesses, um, they think it would automatically preclude them um, from from being part of, 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 of donating uh, in this instance. I'm going to just play another WhatsApp voice note for you. Morning, Kathy. You know, there is also a solution in terms of uh, stem cells. When babies are delivered, uh, they have uh, stem cells in their cord blood, and oftentimes that is uh, discarded. I think we should make uh, inroads and uh, counsel uh, patients that uh, stem cells from cord blood should be harvested at birth, because oftentimes we just uh, discard uh, it and uh, make it free. Uh, for, 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 for those patients to keep uh, those uh, stem cells uh, anonymous. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and does, is it, Dr. Theo, does it also apply with um, the placenta? Because, you know, you have a lot of people these days that, I don't know if it's called placenta harvesting, uh, where they'll also keep some of it in storage, uh, you know, for future use. Uh, not sure how much of that you're aware of. No, I'm very much aware of that. So this this used to be very big abroad and also in South Africa, and it still is available. So so what he was referring to is where we, when a baby is born, we take the um, cord, the, the umbilical cord, and we milk it out because it's a very rich source of stem cells. And um, it can be used to perform stem cell transplantation for blood cancers. The reason why it is not currently used more often is that to transplant an adult patient with a cord blood, one needs about the the cord stem cells of four to six donors. So it's not as though I can keep my baby's cord and one day when I'm older, this is going to be enough stem cells for me to transplant. So the situation in South Africa is slightly different from where it is abroad, whereas in South Africa we have private cord blood banks. So here people pay to have their own children's cords stored for later potential use, whatever that use may be. In Europe and some of the other countries overseas, they have public cord blood banks, where there is no cost to the patient or the mother or the child, and 
they will store this code free of cost, but then that code goes into a registry and is available for anyone to use. So that has made cord blood transplants a bit more popular in those countries that have public cord blood registries, but unfortunately we don't have anything like that in South Africa. Um, it, it would be a good option. Having said that, cord blood transplants are a bit more difficult and there's oftentimes more than one cord required. So, so where we can get away with a... A stem cell donor from the registries using just the blood stem cells, it is often a much easier process. Yeah, well, ab- absolutely fascinating, uh, Dr. Thie. And do you know the, these these cord banks, are they um, run by governments or are they run by private institutions? No, they are run by private institutions, okay. unfortunately. No. All right. So there's no government-sponsored. Mm. They do sometimes have private-public partnerships, but those are few and far between. Unfortunately, I, I can't speak on behalf of the Cord Blood Bank, so they are available, and one can search them up on the internet, and they have a, a myriad of information. I know that's fair I'm enough. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Uh, let me go to Clifford. Clifford in Baroka. Good morning. Good morning, Kitty. Yes. Oh, I'm well, thank yes. you. Yes. You have a question now. Will my family donate uh, the whole body, my body? Yes, Clifford. Well, yes. Yes, I'm asking, will my family donate my body uh, or can it donate a body from his family? Donate your body, Clifford? Will my family donate my body? No, I don't think that they can. I don't think that they, anybody can can donate uh, somebody else's body. You, but but also it, it depends on what kind of donations you're talking about. You know, is it organs that you that you're thinking about? Is it uh, for yeah, stem they, cell they, transplants? They talk about organs and transplant, but now I'm talking about let's say I'm I'm, I'm making a contract with my family. Okay, donate my body after I'm after I'm, I'm dead. Like so now, the people have tried. Like this one, you are giving time on coming and making. Oh, so yeah, you so you are saying, can your family donate your body if you have yeah, said you want very, your body donated? Yes. Okay. That's to who? To the to the, the same people who are looking for uh, transplants and organs. Okay. Let, let me ask. Yeah. Let me allow Doctor Theo to come in here. Yeah, Kathy, can you just repeat the question? I couldn't quite So, so, so Clifford is asking if, if his family can donate his body, especially if he has specified in his will that he would like his body donated perhaps to uh, be used for scientific research or to advance yes. um, medical research, whatever the case might be. So, yes, it's absolutely uh, possible. Um, Once again, this is very, very different from stem cell donation, which does not not involve any uh, deceased people. But um, I think Clifford would be safest to register, not just stated in his will, but to register as an organ donor. Because if one is a solid organ donor, such as liver, lung, heart, kidney, the time period between the harvesting of this organ and the transplant into the new the, the recipient or the patient is of the utmost essence. It's a few hours in which that organ will be viable. 
So it's always best to be registered as an organ donor. Otherwise, there might be legal ramifications or red tape to get through. And by the time all of that is done, the organ is too old to use anymore. Then for, for if one wants to donate one's body for um, research, I know that the universities with anatomy departments um, may be interested in this. I don't know how well-resourced they are of current material, so one would have to contact the, the medical um, divisions and, and anatomy departments of the different hospitals, but it is possible. All right. Clifford, I hope that answers your question. Okay. Yeah, it did, it did answer my question. <laughs> all right, Thank Clifford. Thank you very much. Oh, all uh, the best. Bye. Um, all right, Dr. Theo, I've just got one or two other WhatsApp voice notes for you before we wrap up the conversation. Hey, Kathy, it's Tembiso from, Pum- from Pumalanga. I just want to ask, what are the side effects that happen after your first stem cell donation and how long does it last so is it gonna affect me like for instance if i go back to work or it's gonna take some few days for me to go back to work or just hours thanks katie bye thanks okay so so that's a very important point stem cell donation typically should not cause any lasting effects and we um we usually say to donors they can go back to work the following day. In order to harvest the stem cells, it is sometimes necessary to give um, the donors like a growth factor or stimulant to help the stem cells come out of the bone marrow and and, and come into the blood. And this is typically given for a period of about four to five days prior to the harvest or donation. The side effects of this drug, this growth factor is that it may cause a bit of bone pain, specifically lower back pain, but that is typically manageable with things like Panado, and the moment we stop the injection or the, the, the growth factor, it, it's, it's gone again. So, so the short answer is no. Apart from minor side effects, patients should be, or donors should be able to go to work the following day. And, and suffer no lingering effect. Hi, Kathy. This is Vuyane Green from Cape Town. Um, this topic uh, today strikes a particular resonance with me because I lost my wife to leukemia in 2009 after she failed to get a stem cell donor despite the fact that uh, her oncologist, uh, Professor Peter Jacobs, uh, may his soul rest in peace, um, had conducted an autologenous transplant after she was in remission. So I I agree with everything that the doctor is saying. And uh, even at that time, Professor Peter Jacobs told us that uh, African or people of African descent don't necessarily uh, donate themselves and therefore it is very difficult uh, if you are a person of African descent to get uh, a matching stem donor. So yeah, I agree with uh, what the prof- what the doctor is saying. Uh, incidentally, today is my late wife's birthday. Thank you. Murai from East London. Rebody donations along the stem cell um, thread. 
If somebody phoned in to say, you know, could you leave your body to science? And of course you can. We did that with my mom. Um, she actually got uh, applied to the medical uh, society and told them that she was a donor. So she was registered as a body donor. And when she died, we just had to call a specific undertaker. I think it was doves. And then they just take the body away and that's the last you see of it. You go into the hospital and sign a form at some stage and get the death certificate. So there you go. It's actually very simple. All right. Uh, Dr. Gedner, your last contributions? No, I just want to say to the previous caller that um, I'm sorry his wife passed away and and what he says is very true about registering as, as donors, but the sad reality is that from the time his wife was treated, the demographics or the statistics for African donors in the registry have not changed much. So obviously we are not getting to the people that are really important and needed in our registries, and hopefully this will spread some awareness. And then the, to the last caller, I'd just like to say thank you very much for that information. Um, so whole body donation is, is apparently quite an easy process. I think the need for organs for transplant is a greater need. So it would always be good to register as an organ donor um, because that's where we also really struggle apart from stem cell donations. And then lastly, I would just like everybody who listened in to just go and register, please. It's www.dkms-africa.org, and it's a very simple process. Dr. Theo Gerdner, let me thank you so much for your time for coming onto the show. Medical Director at DKMS Africa. And the call really is to have more people register uh, to be stem cell donors and help to save the lives of so many people because you heard there around, um, you know, the innovations taking place in the industry and how and in how many different diseases stem cell transplants are are seeing uh, now to be able to um, bring in some positive results in terms of turning around then um, the well-being of their patients.